Welcome to Celebrate Poe, Episode 26, Invasion of the Capital. Now, originally, today was supposed to be the final of four episodes about Stanton, Virginia, and I will upload the episode, Shakespeare and Trains, in a few days, unless events intervene. But today, I have been horrified by the images of the rioters invading the Capitol building and the potential for national disaster that it poses. I seriously thought about writing about unity for this episode, and there certainly is a real need for unity in the United States. The concept of unity is a topic that can be tied in with Poe's great work about unity in the universe, Eureka. But I think it would be better to save that for the future. We're going to need a lot of work to be a unified nation again. I feel that as podcasters, it is our duty to be socially conscious. That's why I go out of my way to try and be socially responsible. In addition to Poe, I want to touch on such uh, relevant connections as racism, homophobia, income inequality, and dealing with epidemics. I recorded a great interview today, for example, with a brilliant historian, Dr. Sean Munger, who has some awesome comments about climate change, how global weather events affected those in the early 19th century, as well as issues regarding climate change today. By the way, I'm currently editing the interview with Dr. Munger and plan to have it up this month as a two-parter. Dr. Munger gave an unbelievable interview, and I highly recommend his podcast at Second Decade referring to the second decade of the 19th century, as well as a wonderful podcast called Green Screen, a podcast examining various movies from an ecological standpoint. Really good stuff. Now, back when Edgar Allan Poe was still a young boy, the British invaded the United States during the War of 1812. Check back on episode 15 for more information in this podcast about that conflict. Or even better, check on Dr. Munger's three episodes on the War of 1812 at Second Decade. Now, during the episode on the War of 1812, one of the subjects I mentioned was the British invasion of Washington, D.C. during the conflict. While Washington was the capital city of the United States at the time, it was basically just considered a muddy village on the Potomac. Then the British occupied Washington in August 1814. When Dolly Madison, wife of the president, realized that the British were coming, she became determined to leave nothing of value for the enemy. Among the treasures were a copy of the Declaration of Independence and boxes of presidential papers. She told her servants, if you can't save them, destroy them. She refused to leave without Gilbert Stewart's portrait of George Washington. She had it pulled down, taken out of its frame, rolled it up, and personally carried it out of the White House, so the story goes. Later she wrote, It is done. The precious portrait placed in the hands of two gentlemen of New York for safekeeping. And now, dear sister, I must leave this house, or the retreating retreating army will make me a prisoner in it by filling up the road I directed to take. When I shall when I shall again write you, or where I shall be tomorrow, I cannot tell. 
One thing I did not mention was that the British also invaded and burned the Capitol building. The American people at that time were outraged and deeply resented the burning of the Capitol. Destroying such a cultural edifice was against the basic laws of civilized warfare. Once the British captured Washington, they set about destroying the public buildings. The British set fires in the Capitol just after nine in the evening, and in the South Wing, some rooms in the office area were vandalized and set ablaze. Papers and furniture in the clerk's office were used as combustible material. And after it was set on fire, the heat forced troops to withdraw, and it was only for this reason that rooms on the west side were not harmed. Among the items destroyed were the secret journals of Congress kept by the clerk of the house, a loss that could not be replaced. The British gathered furniture and put it into a pile in the center of the room and set that on fire. The heat was so intense that the glass and the skylights melted and the wooden ceiling was completely destroyed. Within minutes, the building was trashed. Around 11 o'clock that night, the British set their sights on the White House, as previously described. After the White House was destroyed, the President did not move back in the White House until 1817, three years later. Members of Congress also waited for several years before meeting again in the Capitol building after it was destroyed. Donald R. Hinckley, in his The War of 1812, A Forgotten Conflict, writes that President Madison, in an opening address to Congress upon meeting back in the Capitol building, brushed aside British victories in order to focus on American triumphs. But he could not deny that a crisis was at hand. It is not to be disguised, he said, that the situation of our country calls for its greatest efforts. Appealing to the spirit of 76, Madison expressed confidence that the American people would cheerfully and proudly bear every burden of every kind which the safety and honor of the nation demanded. And if you're wondering where Congress did meet when most of the government's buildings were destroyed, it met in the relatively small patent office because it was one of the few government offices spared, although meeting there was quite cramped, to say the least. Now fast forward to 2020. Last June, former Chief of Staff John Kelly, who knows Mr. Trump well, says, said that Trump's behavior in office proves Americans have to be more rigorous about whom they choose as their president. I think we need to look harder at who we elect, he said. I think we should look at people that are running for office and put them through the filter. What is their character like? What are their ethics? Donald Trump is the first president in my lifetime who does not try to unite the American people, does not even pretend to try. Instead, he tries to divide us. Now, the Capitol building is generally viewed as a sacred symbol of our democracy, never again to be invaded by a foreign army or an angry mob. That was true until yesterday, when a mob egged on by the President of the United States, not the leader of a foreign country, invaded the United States Capitol. Metaphorically speaking, you can say that it's, it's admirable to spend time trying to build a new house, but right now we have to put out the damaging fire. 
We have every right to be concerned and angry and be sure that nothing like this ever happens again. Mike Braun, a Republican senator from Indiana, originally objected strongly to the election of the president and didn't want the uh, electors to be counted in the way that they were originally intended. But he says, now we need to get this ugly day behind us and has apparently changed his mind. As of today, uh, this podcast has had listeners from 21 countries around the world, and I want to stress that most Americans are decent, hardworking people. Most Americans consider places like the Capitol building to be sacred symbols of democracy. When a group of rowdy thugs violently invade such a monument to democracy, most Americans are thoroughly disgusted. This is not who we are as a country. According to the Cuffington Post, as the uh, Capitol was being invaded, police found pipe bombs placed at the Washington headquarters of both the Democratic National Committee and the Republican National Committee. A truck loaded with semi-automatic long gun, ammunition, and Molotov cocktails was found near the Capitol. The Secretary of the Army announced that a seven-foot-tall barrier would be erected to protect the Capitol from further damage ahead of President-elect Biden's inauguration. Now, I don't care if your political philosophy is liberal or conservative or even apolitical. Nothing is accomplished through violence. Celebrate Poe is obviously not a news podcast. The Daily, Morning Joe, The Rachel Maddow Show, Way Too Early, All In with Chris Hayes, and Dateline White House with Nicole Wallace are among the many, many excellent news and political podcasts out there that have incredible analyses of current events. They are all genuinely professional, drawing on talent and great minds from all over the world. I certainly am not going to try and compete with them. But I believe that as a citizen of the world, an American, and a new podcaster, I have a responsibility to speak out against evil. This is especially true in a podcast that depends so much on examining history, exploring the lives of the great men and women who have positively shaped our country, as well as those who have attempted to destroy it for personal gain. The events surrounding Mr. Trump are changing so rapidly that elements of the situation might be quite different by the time you hear this episode. But today, and today being Friday, January the 8th, 2021, the New York Times wrote that Mr. Trump was quote-unquote pleased when his supporters first stormed the Capitol building. He ignored pleas from his aides to step in and defuse the situation. Apparently, several advisors tried in vain to convince him to take action. When it became obvious that the coup attempt was damaging to his reputation and any goals he might have, remember five people had already died, Mr. Trump released a short video in which he finally condemned the violence and acknowledged that his presidency was ending, though it was obvious he was reading from a script, saying words he did not feel comfortable with. According to the Times, that brief video came after Mr. Trump realized that he could be in serious legal trouble for for causing insurrection. As uh, the full fallout of the coup attempt became clear later, 
with people dead, including a Capitol policeman, Mr. Trump released the video in which he finally condemned the violence and acknowledged uh, that his presidency was ending, albeit with clearly re- while clearly reading from a script. But even that two-and-a-half-minute video did not come because Mr. Trump realized the full scope of the riots or he was trying to be presidential. According to the Times, he made the video when he came to realize that he could personally face legal trouble. Now, I've kind of said that twice because I wanted that to really sink in. Uh, He is said to have been against doing the video initially. He only agreed to do it after it became clear that prosecutors intended to scrutinize his comments to supporters before the coup. We have less than two weeks until President-elect Biden is inaugurated, but in that time, Mr. Trump can potentially do a lot of damage as the most powerful man in the world. Fortunately, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has spoken to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff about preventing Mr. Trump from starting any military actions or a nuclear strike. Yesterday, I was torn between my responsibilities as a podcaster and my responsibility as an American who believes in decency, and I encountered a quote that kind of sums it up. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Let me say that again. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. This quote was attributed by President John Kennedy to Edmund Burke. In reality, uh, Mr. Burke never actually used those exact words. The statement is really closer to an idea expressed by John Stuart Mill, who in the 1860s said, Bad men need nothing more than to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. Let me say that one again. Bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. So they're basically the same same idea. Uh, The idea that when we say or do nothing in the face of evil, we become enablers who are just as guilty as the person or persons committing the act. And now on to a lighter note. This week, I would like to start a new series based on the locations of listeners of Celebrate Poe. In each episode, time permitting, I would like to take a city from the list of locations from my Buzzsprout stats. I know I've said this before, but I want to stress that I don't get your names or any other information, just the name of the city or area. First, I'd like to start with a city that has several listeners who have downloaded every Celebrate Poe podcast since its first episode, Cliché Ile-de-France. I had to ask my husband, who speaks French, how to pronounce the name. Now back to France. Okay, according to Wikipedia, uh, Cliché Ile-de-France is located about 4 miles, or 6.4 kilometers, from Paris. The town is the location for the headquarters of L'Oreal, L'Oreal, the uh, world's largest cosmetic company, BIC, one of the largest pen producers in the world, and Sony France, the electronics and media company. From a literary standpoint, uh, the American author Henry Miller lived with Alfred Perlet at 4 Avenue Anatole. 
Henry Miller became famous for breaking all kinds of literary forms, such as blending character studies, social criticism, philosophy, stream of consciousness, mysticism, and very, very explicit language and sex. I remember thinking about his books Tropic of Cancer and Tropic of Capricorn when I was a kid as some kind of forbidden fruit. Of course, the fact that the books were banned in the United States at the time made me want to read them even more. In many ways, Poe's reception in France is quite different from his reception in the United States. This is largely due to Baudelaire's translations and Princess Marie Bonaparte. Yes, the great-grandniece of that Bonaparte, Napoleon Bonaparte. By the way, when I was planning this episode, I realized that I was going to use the word Bonaparte, so I wanted to check the pronunciation on YouTube. I started what looked like a good video about how to pronounce the name and realized very soon that the video was almost five minutes long. I was like, I don't have the time or patience. I just want to know how to say the word. But the guy speaking in the video used the process of pronouncing Baudelaire as a jumping-off point to pronounce any unfamiliar name. Very instructive. In the case of Baudelaire, he gave the example of thinking of the word vaudeville to pronounce the word Baudelaire. I would rather think of the word body, such as Shakespeare body or dirty Shakespeare. That, that kind of speaks to me. But everyone's different. Do what works for you. Just think of a word that might be familiar to you to pronounce the words you don't understand or know. I do hope on one level that the listenership of this podcast increases. I would love to ask a guest to appear and say, oh, we have so many thousands listeners, and uh, that could happen after a while. But uh, while the downloads to Celebrate Poe can be counted in the hundreds instead of the thousands, I want to be able to give a shout-out to specific places. And let me conclude by repeating, especially to people listening to this podcast in other countries, that the invasion of the Capitol building and thuggish actions of the invaders is not who we are as a country. Sources include History of the United States Capitol, A Chronicle of Design, Construction, and Politics by William C. Allen, The Civil War of 1812, American Citizens, British Subjects, Irish Rebels, and Indian Allies by Alan Taylor, The War of 1812, A Forgotten Conflict by Donald R. Hickey, A Spiritual Heritage Tour of the Capitol by David Barton, Donald Trump is an urgent threat to American democracy. Congress has 13 days to act. An article by Paul Blemenfield in the Huffington Post. Edgar Allan Poe, a critical biography by author Hobson Quinn. And finally, The Poe Log, a documentary life of Edgar Allan Poe by Dwight R. Thomas and David K. Jackson. Thank you very much for making it this far. Uh, as we take a deep dive into the life and times and influences of American Shakespeare and how he has influenced our world. Join Celebrate Poe for the next episode in this series, an episode dealing with such varied topics as my first exposure to Poe's works, an amusement train in Stanton, Virginia, growing up closeted in the South, and signing Shakespearean plays in American Sign Language. Thank you.